the Word. Speaking of the Word, let's open our Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John, the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 10. Chapter 10, excited to be back on this subject with you. We got a good start last week. And uh, for our uh, first-time visitors, guests, and uh, for those who were unable to be with us uh, last week, we began a new series of teachings that uh, I believe the Lord has put on my heart to to teach and to minister. Uh, And we're calling it The Dark Side. The Dark Side. And of course, we're getting that from Star Wars, right? Okay. (laughs) Praise God. Anyway, uh, glory to God. But um, I, you know, just believe that, uh, and it's a good appropriate time in October, you know, it's difficult to go to a, uh, even a good movie uh, that you've, you've vetted and all that, you're at the cinema, but you've got to endure all those previews in October, and you're going to get all the uh, horror flicks and the death and the murder and all of the weirdness that, uh, that, that uh, Hollywood pumps out at us. Uh, but uh, believers need to know humans, every human on the planet needs to know about reality, uh, uh, about not only what's going on in this world, but in that other world, that there is another world that stands right alongside this one. Uh, amen, and we'll prove that to you again from the Word of God today. But even more importantly, not to just know, if I, if I were to tell you the devil's real, I'd probably have 95% agreement, you know, in this congregation, uh, that yeah, the devil's real. Uh, but are you living free of his influence? Uh, are you, are you uh, yielding to him? Amen. Are you giving him inroads? Has he taken a place in you? Uh, Amen. Demons, evil spirits, these beings that exist in this spirit realm, the Bible tells us so. Amen. But we want to teach you not only about their existence, but how you have been elevated, raised up in Christ, removed from their dominion. Amen. And you're supposed to uh, tread on them, the Bible says. You're supposed to live free and in victory over Satan and demonic influence. And I know that's a mouthful uh, that I just gave you there in 60 seconds, but you just like Brianna said, just stay with me. Amen. And of course, last week we covered a lot of ground that we can't just go back and recover uh, completely, but you could go back to our podcast, go back to the website, get back on Facebook or YouTube and catch up with us. And we encourage you to do so. Amen. Father, we thank you today for your word. Uh, The Bible uh, is a divine revelation from God to all human beings about reality, about what has been, about what is, and about what is to come. Now, Father, in many different ways, uh, your Bible uh, has proven to be a miraculous divine revelation. Man may have been used as an instrument to pen the words, but God, the Bible, and its words were God-breathed. It is truth and no lie. And so I pray that every person under the sound of my voice today would approach the scriptures that we'll read and study uh, with awesome respect, as uh, it should be, for these words are God's words. And we thank you for revelation to flow free, that God, our eyes are being enlightened, and that God, that you're ministering answers to us that we've long needed. And I just so thank you that God, that uh, the Son, Jesus, the Son of God, has set us free, and he whom the Son has set free is, guess what, free indeed. And so we thank you for what you're going to do in the next moments in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 So here in John 10, verse 10, 
Uh, this is our golden text for this scripture or for this sermon series. And of course, it says, uh, Glory to God that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. That doesn't sound pleasant. Yeah, and it's Jesus talking and he says, The thief. So obviously, he's not the thief. Thank God for that. The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they, people, might have life. That word is zoe, the Greek word zoe, and it means the God kind and the God quality of life. Amen. And that they might have it more abundantly. Now, praise God, the God kind of life is, of course, first and foremost, spiritual, spiritual life. But it's not limited to just that. Amen. You know, the Bible says in 1 John, we're in the Gospel of John, but in 1 John it says, as he is, talking about Jesus, as he is, so are we in this world. How is Jesus today? Think he's got a migraine? You think he's looking at a bill he can't pay? You think he's troubled in his mind? Is he sick in his body? How are we supposed to be? As He is, so are we in this world. Redemption, what Jesus purchased for us in His death, burial, and resurrection, His ascension to heaven, yes, is first and foremost of a spiritual nature. Amen. But if you'll really study and pay attention to redemption, He has redeemed us and purchased our freedom from stealing, death, destroying, right, the curse, in every arena of our makeup. Let me just quote it to you. Isaiah 43, verse 5 says that uh, he was wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we're healed. And I didn't get every word, but that's a summary. So here you see the, the suffering Messiah suffering for humanity in all three arenas. The chast- uh, excuse me, uh, when it says that our iniquity was laid on him, sin is spiritual. He's talking about redeeming us in spirit. But then when he said the chastisement, the punishment, the disciplining of our peace was upon him. Where do you you experience peace? In your mind. Now I know peace is part of the, one of the fruits of the Spirit. Amen. An outflow of divine love. Amen. Gives us peace. Peace that passes all understanding. But that peace shows up where? In our soul. In our mind. So we see Jesus suffering for us in the soulish realm. Which is our mind, our will, our emotions. Amen. And then it says, with his stripes we're healed. That's bodily healing. Amen. And I proved that to you from the word and have many times here in this church. We'll do so again as the Lord would lead me. Amen. But see, he's redeemed us spirit, soul, and body. He cares about the condition, not just of your spirit, but of your mind, of your emotions, of your personality. Amen. And of your body, your physical being. We've been studying this in the mentoring class on Thursday nights, but we're being reminded that our bodies are important to God. Amen. Our bodies are called the temple of the Holy Ghost. And anyone that would defile or destroy the temple, God Himself would destroy. God cares about your body. He doesn't want your body broken down. He doesn't want you or your children sick and and lame and in pain. That's pretty good. That's good news. Amen. Amen. And the church at large hasn't really done a good job at preaching the fullness of redemption. We preach just one part of it, the forgiveness of our sin. Amen. Jesus came that we might have life, life in every area, life in every arena. 
But it's the devil that's come and he's intent on you not having any of it. He's going to hell and he wants to take you with him. And he wants you to have a whole lot of hell right here on earth. Amen. He'd love for you to stay separated from God. He'd love to keep you uh, away from the covenant. He would love to keep you away from a sound mind. He would love to keep you in a broken marriage. He would love for you to be his instrument. Yeah. You know, I'm, one of my goals in this, in this series is to help you understand what's happening in the world today. Even just, just recently, I heard someone say, I have done things I never thought I'd do. And then some people you hear them make statements like this, I would never do anything like that, and before long they've done something worse. I remember in the sixth grade, uh, I, had, I had a buddy. Now he didn't ride to elementary school in the same bus that I did. But we had these little pods. Our classroom were like, kind of like the Lone Oak Elementary, little round buildings, and we had these pods. And before I went into my class, he, he was in the same class as me, my buddy. And uh, I'm trying to remember his first name. Seems like Noel or something like that. We'll call him Noel anyway. And true story. And so I would wait. I would wait, and he'd get off his bus, and we'd go into class together, and we just joined at the hip. We were best friends. Well, one day he didn't, he didn't come to class, and I thought, well, maybe he's sick, and so I went on to class. And the next day he didn't come, and the next day he didn't come, and before long it had hit the paper that uh, he'd been murdered in his bed. Yeah, he was six years old. He was murdered in his bed by his own mother. Huh? What did I say? Did I say sixth grade? Six years old. Sixth grade. Yeah, thank you, sweetie. Uh, it's good. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. <laughs> Amen. No, you're helping me. And uh, so, yeah. And uh, so, that was, that, was, that was horrible. That was shocking. Uh, but then the, uh, the story came out. It came from a very small town back then. It was uh, Hera, H-A-R-R-A-H, Hera, Oklahoma. And uh, the, the story came out on what had happened. Uh, his mother uh, began to hear voices in the night. And this thought would bombard her mom that saying that her son was full of demons. Her son was full of devils. And that she could get the devils out if she stabbed him in the chest. Now where would a voice like that come from? I'll tell you something dark, dark has gotten a hold of you. If you hurt your kids. Something beyond, well, I didn't grow up good, is going on. Amen. And there's freedom. But there is a, God lives in this other realm, but He's not the only kind of being that lives in this other realm that stands along this side, this realm. Last week we told you how the devil became the devil. How Lucifer turned himself into the devil. And how he took a third of God's created angels with him in this rebellion. And they don't, you know, spirits don't die. They're still loose in the earth. Now one day they won't be, but they're still loose running around in that realm. And they'll speak to you. And if they want you to hear a voice, they'll make you hear a voice. But a lot of times it just lands on us in, as a thought. And this thought began to bombard this sincere mother. And before she knew it, she had plunged a knife seven times into the heart of her 
little boy. Now, the world called that mental illness, but I know better. That is not mental illness. That is someone who does not know, who does not have as a clue about this other world. Brother Hagen told of a story uh, about a, uh, an upstanding man in his community. Uh, he had no history of mental illness. He had a good marriage. He was not under any sort of marital stress, professional stress, financial stress, physical stress. Everything in his life was fine. He was at home giving his little boy a bath. And all of a sudden, he told the police when they came to arrest him, he had called him himself, uh, that he all of a sudden had an uncontrollable urge, that's what he called it, to harm his son. And he drowned him in the bathtub. Before he came to himself, when he came to himself, he's looking at his own son's dead body, dead by his own hand, and asking himself, how, how come me to do that? See, in one moment, he's fine. In another moment, the devil's got a hold of him. He's yielded to an influence that made him do something horrific. Now, these are extreme examples, but they're real stories. But, you know, if, if you've ever had an all, while I'm preaching, uh, a, a deep urge to catch me after service and cuss me out, let me just tell you something, there, you've, got some, you've got a problem. Amen. Turn with me to Colossians. I think you're with me again already. We got you. We got this hook in you, and that's good. Praise God. I'm telling you, the Bible is a wonder. And if you'll turn your TV long enough to actually open up and read a little bit of it, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed about what it'll tell you. And you can pull the curtain back on the devil and on reality. Amen. One of the things that we pointed out in last service is that none of us live unto ourselves as humans. None of us die unto ourselves as humans. And that we are the children of one of two spiritual fathers that live and dominate in that realm. We're either children, offspring spiritually of the devil or of the Father God. And the only way you can be a, a child of God is to be born again. And the only way you can be born again is to receive Jesus as your Lord. Buddha can't give that to you. Good works won't give it to you. Muhammad certainly never. He, you know, I told a guy at the hotel uh, about uh, six months ago I was staying at, he was a Muslim and just a great kid and, and probably didn't know any better. And I just said, well, you know, even Muhammad never claimed to be a Messiah. He's a man, dead, dead. But my Jesus, he died for me. Not only did he die for me, he's alive today. You know, he looked at me and he goes, really? I said, yeah, really. I said, you should check it out and get yourself a Bible. Thanks for my breakfast. I went and sat down. We need to take advantage of these little opportunities like that. Amen. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 12. Colossians 1, 12. Amen. Now, if, you're really, if you'd like to go away, and I'd really appreciate that about you, if you'd like to go away from here and go, I, I need to know more about this. I would encourage you, read slowly the book of Ephesians. It only take you 30 minutes. Read the book of Ephesians over and over. Read this book of Colossians over and over. Amen. And just those two little letters that Paul wrote to the church will, will, will tell, tell you a lot. We're just, we're just pulling out a snippet here. So Paul says, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet, that's King James means able, 
to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who has, we got excited about this last time, right? Who has delivered us from the power, the authority, the jurisdiction of darkness. You know, every human being is born into that. Actually, every baby is born alive unto God. If you, if you lose a baby, if a baby's an aborted, God's got that baby. If you lost an infant, you lost a toddler to death, an accident, a tragedy, God's got that baby. Amen? We're born alive unto God. Paul said, I was alive without the law once. But then sin revived in me, that sin nature. See, what happens is a human being comes of age. And in his, in his, uh, in his nature that he got, because he's human, he's the seed of Adam. In that nature, that nature of sin will rise up. And when that child comes of age and he knows the difference between right and wrong and invariably chooses wrong, then he dies. Amen. We all have done it. He dies, amen, and is now accountable for his own sin. His sin has separated him from God. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you have to be born a second time. You have to be born again. Amen. And see, we who are Christians, we might be Christians, and this might be our reality, but no one ever showed us. No one ever pointed it out to us. Look at this. We're not just saved from sin. We have been delivered from the authority of darkness. And He has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of blessing. In whom, referring to Jesus, we have, we're not going to have, we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Keep reading. Who is the image of the invisible God? You see, in this world, to us, God is invisible, but He's real. You just can't see him. I just can't see him. The firstborn of every creature. Now this verse is why I brought you here. Look at verse 16. For by him were all things, and I believe Dr. Jacobs told me, I, I've got to check him out, but I'll give it to you. He said it's really beings. Amen. For by him were all beings created that are in heaven. You know, there are beings in heaven. My mom is a being that's in heaven. My grandparents Amen. That are, uh, praise God, all things were created uh, that are in heaven, that are in earth. Now notice these two terms. You might mark these. you got something to mark your Bible with. Visible. And look at that. Invisible. Amen. So part of creation is invisible. Right. Amen. But God made it. That's right. Not all creatures, not all beings are visible. Some are invisible. Whether they, referring to both visible and invisible, be thrones, notice that word, thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. So notice, in both realms, He didn't say just in the natural realm, but in both realms there are thrones. In both realms, there are dominions. In both realms, there are powers. There are principalities. Amen? We're, we, we might as well fit this in here. Go back to the left just a few pages to Ephesians chapter 2. Hallelujah. And I want to show you again, some of you weren't here, 
that every human being born into the earth, if they're not saved, they are a citizen of Satan's kingdom. And they have to be what Jesus did. He came not to just purchase forgiveness for our sins. Heaven is not just a pass. We carry a little pass, you know, and we just show Peter at the gate, here's my pass, let me in. Amen. In Ephesians chapter, uh, praise God, 2 verse 1, and you, who's he talking about? You, and who's he talking to? He's talking to Christians. So if you're a Christian, uh, then, then you are the you. And you hath he quickened, that means made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, he can't be talking about physical, can he? He made me alive. I was dead. I've I've always been alive since I got born. He's talking about spiritually. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, wherein? He's going to describe our old condition before we got saved. You ready? Wherein in time past you walked, lived according to the course of this world. According to the what? To the prince of the power of the air. Who is that? That's Satan. The prince of the power of the air is the one ruling this world. Not God. The title of this teaching is the God, little g, of this world. I'm going to show you who it is. You know, if God were running things, full, if he was having his full way down here, the crime rate would be zero. Amen. Praise God. The poverty rate would not, the poverty condition would not exist. There'd be no such thing as murder. There wouldn't be anything as such as, you know, tornadoes and things like that. You got to get it out of your brain that God is running everything down here. The Bible doesn't teach that. Some stupid preacher taught you that. I'm not taking it back. The Bible's written right there in plain English. If they can't read it, I don't know what's wrong with them. I, I don't have a PhD in theology. You know, that's just, I didn't go to seminary. Seminary. Sorry. I had it right the first time. No, some of those Bible schools will teach you good things, but if you're not really grounded in some things, they'll just really tear you up. And then they're going to go out for 30 years in the ministry, tear up everybody else in their ignorance and their confusion. Amen. People who are not saved are walking according to the influence of the prince of the power of the air. You mean my mama? Your mama. Your auntie. Your school teacher. Your boss. Now this will explain a lot about your boss. Why you ought to pray for your boss. If they don't know Jesus, that, that dude's got a Lord. Whether he wants to acknowledge it or not. Oh, this is all there is. When you're dead, you're dead like a dog. That's No, that's not right. Some people are going to have the shock of their eternity. They're going to say all that all their life. No, this is all there is. Just live it up. Have fun. Whatever you can do. And But when you die, you're dead. You're dead like a dog. Amen. And that person's going to die. And they're going to step right out into eternity. And they're going to go... And one of my mentors says one of the first things that's going to happen is that all of their beautiful little theories are going to be brutally assaulted by a horrible gang of facts. All your little beautiful theories, your little friends out there, beautiful theories about what it's going to be like after this life. 
If it's not grounded in the Word, all those beautiful little theories are going to be horribly and violently assaulted by a brutal gang of facts. And once you're over in that realm, there's no going back into this one where you can redo it. You got one life, brother. You got one life, sister. It's appointed unto a man once to die, and then what? The judgment. We having our eyes open? Amen. So we in, we were like this, we were all like this, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. There is a spirit that works on people that are not saved. And listen, even as a Christian, and this is beyond the scope of today's teaching, amen, but even as a Christian, if you want to yield to the devil, you sure can, and many do. There's three ways you can do that. You can yield to the devil and evil spirits as a Christian through ignorance, through disobedience, uh, or through sin. Amen. So you'll have to keep coming to get to that. We're still focusing on something else. So the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also, how many of us? It says we all. We all had our conversation, our lifestyle in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were, we were what? We were by nature the children of wrath. Even as others, oh, but God. Woo, come on. Aren't you glad for but God? But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, He has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved and raised us up together and made us sit together where? In heavenly spiritual places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You'll never read anywhere about Muhammad doing that for you or Buddha doing that for you. Whatever new age thing you're, you know. Amen? And all those Mormons, they've got you on ladders. You know, if you'll just do another thing, if you'll cut your hair just right and do your makeup just right, you'll get there. God will accept you. No, no, a thousand times, no. You have to be born again. You have to be delivered. You have to be, un- you have to be severed from Satan's cord. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth. There is only one way back to the Father. Now, how come? How come God won't utter many paths to God? Because there's only one path that got done what was necessary to get done. It's not about, you know, exclusivity. Amen? There's only one human being that escaped Adam's seed which was Jesus who was born of a virgin. Why was it necessary for Jesus to be born of a virgin so he could escape the sin nature? Because the seed is passed through the man. The Holy Ghost provided the seed into Mary's egg and in her womb. And And what came out of her was fully man, but fully God. Mohammed never even tried to claim that. I didn't read the Quran fully, but I know he didn't. He's just a guy. He's just a guy who went to hell. And he's taken a lot of people with him. Promising them virgins and all kinds of craziness. 
Amen. It's not about us versus them. It's about, listen, we're right and they're wrong. Amen. <laughs> you can't write. It's not, it's not, that's not a pride thing either. If this is wrong, y'all know what I'm going to do. I'm out of here. But it's right. Supernaturally proven right. Over and over and over. By miracle, miracle after I don't have time to teach you that. Amen. We have got to understand the nature of the problem of sin and the curse and what it did. See, if you don't understand what happened in the Garden of Eden and what God did about it and what it means for us today, then you miss the whole point of the Bible. Amen. Praise God. All right, so do you see here that... Um, well, let me read a few of these verses in Ephesians chapter 2 from the Amplified before we turn away from it. In verse 2 in the Amplified, it says, In which at one time you walked habitually, you were following the course and fashion of this world, were under the sway of the tendency of this present age, following the prince of the power of the air. You were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that constantly works in the sons of disobedient, the careless, the rebellious, the unbelieving, and those who go against the purposes of God. You don't want to live your life going against the purposes of God because you're going to become an instrument, a puppet of the devil. You're going to steal, kill, and destroy on some degree, thinking you're all that in a bag of chips, and you're going to blow hell wide open, and you're going to take people with you. You need to break free. You need to stop that. Among these... We as well as you once lived and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh. Our behavior governed by our corrupt and sensual nature. Obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the mind, our cravings dictated by our senses and our dark imaginings. We were then by nature children of God's wrath and heirs of His indignation like the rest of mankind. But God. And then He preaches the gospel. He preaches Jesus. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Oh, where does the time go? I mean, that was kind of my introduction. <laughs> and it's, it's six minutes till, you know? But if you remember last week, I took you to Ezekiel 28. I took you to Isaiah 14. And in those passages, we have vividly described for us God creating Lucifer. And we know Lucifer is a bad guy today, and he is. But when God created Lucifer, and the name he gave him means sons of the morning, he was what the Bible calls in those passages the anointed cherub. It says of him that God created him perfect in all his ways until iniquity or sin was found in him. And we, we read uh, Lucifer's own declaration when he made the decision. Evidently, angels back then, they had some degree of free will. And, and he had some sort of dominion. We're going to kind of talk about that for a minute. He had some kind of realm. And this is before Adam. Right? Lucifer was a righteous being. He, he served the purposes of God. We don't know for how long. But at some point, he made the decision to rebel. And to lead a rebellion against God. Of which a, he talked a third of the angels into that with him. Now I happen to believe, how could that be? Well, I believe that there are three archangels. And that they have, they have, all the other angels are assigned to one of those three. You have Gabriel, who's sort of the messenger angel, if you ever follow him around the Bible. He never fights. He just brings messages. Then you have Michael. He's the warring angel. 
Now, Gabriel's hung up in the spirit realm in Daniel chapter 10, trying to get to Daniel who's praying. See, he's got a message. Well, he was held up by a a demon spirit. Is that in there? Read it, Daniel chapter 10. Well, God sends Michael to deal with that and fight there, freeing him up, Gabriel, to come and bring the message, which he did. Who was it that gave the the message to Mary about the plan of God? It wasn't Michael. It was Gabriel. So those are the other two. Then you have Lucifer. He was the praise and worship leader of heaven. He had other responsibilities. So I'm not preaching this dogmatically. You don't agree with me. Don't send me a text message or an email. It's all right. Amen. One third report to Gabriel. One third reported to Michael. One-third reported to Lucifer. See, they're used to taking orders from him. They're used to him being their captain. The Bible says that he trafficked and he slandered God to, the, to those that he was in charge of, and they, they followed him. They rebelled against him. And other than a few who are locked up in, in places they are so evil, God won't even let them run loose until they get into the book of Revelation. He's going to turn them loose at strategic times. Amen. Other than that, those, those fallen angels are still here. They're still out there. And oh, how they'd love to dominate you. Commit a murder for them. Write a horror flick for them. Spread some racism. Keep up some wealth, some fame. Write some ugly songs and get people to sing them. Yeah. See, humanity doesn't really realize what they're dealing with out there day to day. Amen. Do you find Genesis? It is in the beginning. Chapter 1. So, uh, just, just we'll close here and just give you some more food for thought here to leave you with. Let's read these two verses. In the beginning, verse 1, in the beginning, God created. That's the Hebrew word barat, means to create something from nothing. Amen? To create something from nothing. And so, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, that's, I, I looked up even just a few minutes ago, a bunch of different translations. King James is kind of um, in the minority, the vast majority of other translations, including the Hebrew literal translation, will say the heavens and the earth. You just read that in the King James and you think the heaven, heaven, God's, God's realm, heaven. No, the heavens. Now, the Bible reveals to us that there are actually at least three heavens. Because Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I knew a man about 14 years ago caught up to the third heaven. And he saw God there. He saw heaven there. He heard heavenly words there that he was forbidden to articulate or to say. Amen. Well, if there's a third heaven, and that's the realm where the highest heaven where God lives, then there must be a second heaven and then a first heaven. Well, the first heaven is our sky and the atmosphere above us. And then the second heaven is the planetary, the stars, the cosmos out there. And then way out there on the far sides of the north, you have planet heaven. God's, God's place. Did he say planet heaven? Yeah, it has a north. It's got mountains. It's got rivers. It's got trees. It's got clouds. It's a sphere. Forgive me if I call it a planet. So, 
<clears throat> Don't cast your stones at me, all right? Amen. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and then God said, let there be light, and so forth. Now, uh, hang with me here for just a second, okay? Amen. Amen. At some point, Lucifer led this rebellion. And the Bible says in those passages we read last Sunday that you, Lucifer, were in Eden, the garden of God, before Adam. So Lucifer, the Bible seems to really hint and give strong indication that there was some sort of pre-Adamite world order on the earth headed up by Lucifer. And that in his rebellion and his being cast back down to the earth, that God judged that social system and destroyed it and judged it. Now, one of the strong indications is right here in two little verses of Scripture. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. And then it says in verse 2, the earth was without form. Tohu, vahu in the, uh, in the Hebrew was without form and void. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the deep, deep of the waters. Uh, if you look into, notice it says darkness, 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 dark. Well, God is light. I want to suggest to you that there is an untold, possibly billions, whatever true science, true science needs, of time between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Because God did not create the, word, the earth tohu vahu. How do I know that? The Bible tells us expressly He didn't. So the word was here in the English so interesting. I know you weren't taught this in Sunday school, but just hear me out for a minute. Amen. And the earth was is the Hebrew word became. God didn't create it, tohu vahu, without form and void. It became that way. Now you don't have to turn there, but you might write down the reference. Isaiah 45 verse 18, and I'll ask the team to put it up on the screen so you can see it's there. Isaiah 45 verse 18, God tells us He did not create the world, tohu vahu. I don't even know if I got anyone behind that computer back there. Praise God. It's my daughter Ryan. Hallelujah. Well, she's she's being trained. Y'all got a second to look at this? Isaiah 45, verse 18. You got it? Thank you. Great job. Well, no, I need the, I need the, there we go. For thus says the Lord who created the what? The heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it. What's the next phrase say? Who did not create it in vain. You know what that word vain is in the Hebrew? Tohu. Same exact word. The definition of this word without form is tohu. That is the word. That word void is tohu. It means waste, desolation, or confusion. 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 Genesis 1-2 is telling you about an earth in confusion that is laid waste, that has been made desolate. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 around verse 32 that God is not the author of 
confusion. How did the earth, you've got to ask yourself, how did the earth, if he did not, Isaiah 45, 18 says, he did not create the earth without form, desolate, void, confused. Amen. He didn't do it. Amen. He did make the earth, but he didn't make it like that. And Genesis 1, 2 says it became that way. How did it become that way? Why did it become that way? Because God judged that whole cosmos, that whole world system when Satan fell. There is your answer for where the dinosaurs came from. They lived in that pre-Adamite social system millions or billions of years ago. You can't deny those beings. And people want to say, well, how did they get the Brontosaurus on the ark? He didn't. He didn't. I said he didn't. In Luke 10, 18, Jesus said, I saw, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I happen to think that's how the Grand Canyon got there. I think that was maybe his landing spot. But the Bible says that we see in Genesis 1, 2, the earth having become full of darkness. There was no light. It perished. It was desolate. It was laid waste. And we have absolute, explicit declaration in Scripture. God didn't make it that way. Now, lest you think this is the only scripture I have to prove this point, I have passage after passage after passage. If you want to stay here till 3 in the afternoon, I have to be on plane at 2.40. So, you'll just have to keep coming back or, or just at least answer this. You know, because Christians have had a hard time trying to tell scientists that the earth is only 6,000 years old. Listen, the earth is as old as true science needs it to be. And here's a real whopper for you. What you see coming next, when God said, let there be light, let there be this, it's not creation, it's recreation. God wiped out. He wiped out the dinosaurs. He wiped out that whole social order. The earth was laid waste. It was desolate. It was covered with water. Not the first. Noah's flood wasn't the first one. It's the second one. Paleontologists will tell you all globally, all of those dinosaurs, all of those things, they all, they're all in the same shallow layer of the earth's crust. They all bite one cataclysmic thing. And God judged Lucifer. When Lucifer turned himself into the devil, that's when Lucifer, is, he's loose and judged in the earth. And so God says, all right, now I'm starting over. And then he says, let us, in Genesis 1.26, make man. First mention of man. Let us make man after our likeness and after our image. Let us make and let him have dominion. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all creeping things. And so God, the Spirit of God, was hovering over this darkness. And when God says, let light be, let, let, He didn't create the sun. He did that in Genesis 1.1. But He had caused the moon and the sun to withhold its light. And now He said, light be, let light be, let light, right and so it was allowed to shine again. And God caused the earth to be rehabitable. Amen. Oh, pastor, I can't, I can't hang with this. That's, that's not... Well, listen. When God got done with all this, and He put Adam in Eden, the garden of God, notice what He told him. He says, have dominion. Subdue it. There's a, there's a rogue enemy out here, and I fully expect you to dominate him. Right. And He said, replenish the earth. He didn't say, plenish the earth. 
Did he? He said, replenish the earth. So I get my first cup of coffee down real quick. And I said, oh, honey, would you replenish my coffee? That's indicating, right, it had already been replenished before. I didn't say, can I have a cup of coffee? I said, would you replenish? Replenish. It didn't say plenish. It says replenish. Just read it. Replenish. means Re means do again. See, in this again, we're pulling, the, we're pulling the curtain back on the devil. This will tell you why Lucifer hates humanity so much. Because the dominion of earth and being in that garden. Ezekiel told us that he was in Eden, the garden of God, before he fell. That means before Adam. And now a new species of being. One created in God's own likeness and God's own image is in that garden and has been given dominion. Dominion he once had. And so in Genesis 3, we see him embody a serpent. And he went in and has God said and challenged God's word and beguiled and tricked Eve into eating the one fruit that God said don't eat thereof. And she gave to her husband and he, with his eyes wide open, ate of that fruit. And this, and this is how all of us got into this mess. This is what we'll close with. Amen. When Adam who God gave the keys to planet earth. He gave him the dominion. When he subjected himself to Lucifer's bidding, he lost the glory. He became dead spiritually. In the day that you eat thereof, God said, you will surely die. He didn't die physically for another thousand years. But he was instantly, he lost the glory. He lost his dominion. He became fearful. He was separated from God. God drove him out of the garden. And God, Adam took the keys of earth. And he subleased it out to the devil. And I won't have you turn there, but 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 will tell you that Satan is the God, little g, of this world. How did he become the God of this world? It wasn't God that did it. We did it. Our first parents did it. And it's why God being a just God, he couldn't just step in. Because he's got to work in legal parameters. Adam didn't have a moral right to do what he did, but he did have a legal right to do it. I mean, Dakota, Dakota, a great friend of mine, if I gave him, you know, a, a family heirloom and a knife, said, hey, I want to bless you with this, and then he turns it around and give it, gives it to my arch enemy. Do I have a right to go to my arch enemy and just take it back because I don't like what he did? No, I gave it to him. I said I gave it to him. And since that day, and until Adam's lease on planet earth runs out, Lucifer has a legal right to be here and all his minions. But Jesus made a way of escape from the devil and his dominion. It's good news. And yeah, we've got to deal with him in the earth. I've got to deal with him bombarding my mind just like you're going to have to deal with him bombarding yours. And I deal with him tempting my flesh just like you deal with him dealing with your flesh. But I tell you what, if you'll just learn and live full of the Word and live full of God and pay attention and really grow and become a disciple of Christ, he'll have less and less and less sway with you. He'll get it, you can get to the place spiritually. You'll get up in the morning and those demons around here will tremble and go, oh my God, she's awake again. 
That's the way I'm endeavoring to live my life. Oh my God, he's up. Amen. Y'all go ahead and stand on your feet. I want to tell you one 30-second story. I think I'll bless you and we'll let you go. Pastor Nancy was relating a story about someone who'd had a vision. I, I might get a detail or two wrong, so forgive me. But uh, And um, in this vision, they were in a certain real town here, not in America, uh, but in a European nation, I believe. And it was a horde of demons. And they had come into town. And there was, just like the Bible describes, a, a hierarchy in this horde of demons. There's principalities, there's powers, there's rulers, those kind of things. And the one in charge, he would, uh, he would, dispatch a, he would point at a house and dispatch at a demon and say, you, you go torment that house. You go torment that one. And as they just walked through town, he would, that ruler would assign that demon to go and hinder and harass and see what he could steal, kill, and destroy in that family. But in this one home... They walked by and he didn't assign anything. And one, one of the demons spoke and said, well, hey, what about that house? And the ruler said, you don't want to go anywhere near that house. You don't want to go anywhere near that place. You leave that alone. They know who they are. Come on. Hallelujah. They know who they are. Praise God. Hallelujah. First Peter 5 said, Peter said, be sober, be sober. He said, be watchful, be watchful for your adversary. Your adversary walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may, whom he may devour. Amen. So it's not a guarantee he can just devour anybody he wants to devour. He's got to find somebody he may devour. And it's your job. And it's my job. Amen. And you husbands, it's your job. And heads of your houses. And you mamas. And you children, you take your place. Amen. And you become a person, you become a home where when the horde of demons comes through Paducah or through Metropolis or onto your street, that they're going to have to say, I'd stay away from that place. I'd stay away from that house if I were you. Because they know who they are. They go to that church over there. They go to that church over there. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise.